Father God, thank you again uh, for the opportunity to be with your people, God. I pray that you would bless this time. God, prepare our hearts beforehand to receive your word, God. Would you till up the soil of our hearts, God, remove uh, any kind of obstacles um, that, that, that would keep your word from implanting in us, God. I pray that your word would find good soil, that it would grow and uh, produce a harvest of faith, a harvest of righteousness in each of us as you shape and mold us to be the people you want us to be. Um, God, Holy Spirit, uh, God, help shine your light, God, on this word and, and, and help us to, to get what you want out of it, God. God, help me to be able to speak and communicate only what you want spoken, God. Uh, we love you, we trust you, be glorified, Jesus, in everything we do and say. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, uh, as we get started here tonight, I want to know, can anybody tell me, first of all, if this is your first time at Chi Alpha, welcome to Chi Alpha. This is Chi Alpha Christian Fellowship, and can anybody tell me what the name Chi Alpha means? Yeah, the name Chi Alpha. And if you don't know that, hey, that's cool. That you might be learning that for the first time uh, tonight. Um, Chi Alpha is not a fraternity, not a sorority. But hopefully, that's not a surprise to you at this point. Like, if you if you made it this far, you kind of realize Chi Alpha. Uh, Man, I thought this was like a pledge meeting or something. No. Kalpha um, is a, a, a Christian fellowship, co-ed Christian fellowship that gets its name. Again, if you don't know this, that's totally cool. We get to learn something tonight. Kalpha gets its name um, from this passage of Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where Paul is describing our role as believers in this world. Uh, and he says that, 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 man, as Christians, as believers in this world, we live as Christ's ambassadors. Christ ambassadors pleading with people to be reconciled to God, representing Jesus to the people around us. And, and that, that verse there, 2 Corinthians 5.20, that's where Chi Alpha gets its name. So the, the words uh, you know, that uh, were originally written in Greek, but in our English Bibles become Christ's ambassadors. Uh, that's Christo Apostoli there. We take those first two Greek letters. That's the, the Greek letter X or Chi and the Greek letter A Alpha. Um, and that's where the name Chi Alpha comes from. So when you hear Chi Alpha, you can just think, man, Christ's ambassadors. You know, representing Jesus, uh, being Christ's ambassadors on the college campus, on the University of Memphis campus. Um, and, and like the verse says there, um, and pleading with people to be reconciled to God. Saying, hey, do you have a relationship with God? Uh, do you know God? Can, can I talk to you about uh, the difference God's made in my life? Um, but that, that's what the name Chi Alpha means. And that, that's, uh, that, that's kind of right in the heart, right in the DNA. Of, of what our ministry is about, man. We want to represent Jesus on the campus. We want to share Jesus with people and represent Christ to people. We want to help people be reconciled to God. There's people that are far away from God. There's people at all different kind of places in, in their relationship with God. And we just want to see people reconciled to God, see people um, and having a, a thriving, healthy relationship with Jesus. Uh, and, and we get to be a part of that every day, and it's exciting. Um, but, but that kind of dovetails into what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about uh, what, what it means to be an ambassador. What it means to live as an ambassador. Um, you know, in, in the United States, we've got ambassadors uh, all over the world. In almost every country in the world, uh, the, the U.S. has an ambassador. Um, and, and these ambassadors represent the interests of the United States among, uh, among that people. Uh, so that people's government, that people's leaders, those people's business. Uh, the, the ambassador, the diplomat, goes and, and he represents the interests uh, of another kingdom uh, in a country, right? Uh, so we've got ambassadors all over the world. Um, you know, and so when, when, when the U.S. sends an ambassador, they would want to someday hope to be an ambassador someday, like they're studying 
So that would be, a, they think that would be a cool job to go and do that. No, okay, that's fine. You can, take, you can go, go travel, see cool places, you can learn cool languages. Um, but but if, you, if you, let's say you are an ambassador, right? Let's say you graduate from ambassador school, uh, and, and the U.S. Is, is chosen you to be an ambassador, and they're going to go uh, send you to live in Belgium, right? They're going to go send you to live in Bangladesh, or Bahrain, or Belarus. They're going to go send you to live somewhere in the world, um, and, and, and uh, something you need to do probably is to learn the language, right? So you can communicate with those people. Uh, and and so, so you move to that country, uh, you get an apartment, you get a condo, you get a house, you get a place to live there. Uh, probably still working on the language, because again, it's not the language you grew up with, but you're, you're practicing it. Uh, you're meeting local people, right? You're connecting with people. You're figuring out, man, where's the best place to get the, the best local cuisine, right? Uh, where's the place to get the cuisine that I can, my stomach can keep down? Right, where, you know, how, how can I connect? How can I learn this culture? Because wow, this culture is so different from mine. Right? I'm used to this Western, this Western, you know, American context, and, and this is so very different than what I'm used to. Uh, how can how can I learn the culture so I can relate to these people, learn the language so I can communicate with these people? Um, so, so an, an ambassador, you know, and again, the United States has ambassadors all over the world. When we station an ambassador uh, in a country. Um, they're expected to learn the language. They're expected to, to kind of have understandings of the culture and, and the, their government, those kind of things. There's some things that the ambassador is not expected to do. Um, you know, is, is the, the ambassador expected to adopt the religion of whatever country that they move to? No, right? If we, if we send an ambassador to a country, and in that country they worship Dagon the fish god, right? Is that ambassador expected to then start worshiping Dagon the fish god so they can blend in, so they can fit in? So they can be a good ambassador, right? No, right? That's not expected. Let's say, let's say the ambassador is married. They're faithful to their spouse, right? And, and they, they roll up in this culture. And, and in this culture, uh, polyamory, right, is, is real big. And um, man, just, just be with whoever, sleep with whoever. Uh, we'll, we'll trade wives, trade husbands. It doesn't even matter. Is that ambassador supposed to adopt that custom, you know, so they can fit into the culture? No, the United States does not expect that of them, right? Now stay faithful to your spouse. Jackie said they get these knuckles. That's right. That's right. So so there are some things, man, to be a good ambassador, I mean, you do want to learn the culture. You do want to learn the language. But also, you're not supposed to totally accept everything that has to do with the culture, right? You're not supposed to totally accept um, you know, the that the religious customs of the culture, you're not supposed to be completely absorbed in the culture because end of the day, you're not representing that culture, you're representing the United States, wherever your home nation is, right? Your ultimate loyalty is not to that place. Your ultimate loyalty, ultimate allegiance is to your home country, right? And so, so, so being an ambassador is learning the language, learning the culture, but remembering your allegiance, right? Remembering your ultimate loyalty. Um, so when Paul describes our lives as Christians in this world as being ambassadors, you know, we, can, we can learn a lot looking through that lens, right? That's going to really help us approach uh, in different tricky situations in this life. How do we navigate uh, the culture that we're in? Here in Memphis, Tennessee, right, 2018, how, how do we navigate this culture uh, through that lens of, man, we're here as an ambassador, right? So, so we've we got to learn the language. We need to be a little bit familiar with the culture. We don't want to be so absorbed in the culture that we're adopting all the customs of the culture uh, to, to the degree that we're, we're no longer loyal, um, uh, loyal to, to, to God. 
Um, so viewing thing, our lives through that lens is going to help us to navigate the culture we live in. Uh, it's going to be helpful also for us to understand the passage that we're looking at tonight. Uh, so we're picking up again in 1 John, continuing a series we started beginning the semester called Complete Joy. Complete Joy. Uh, studying the New Testament letter of 1 John that 1 John wrote uh, to the churches there. And, and John, John there at the very beginning of the letter expresses his intent. He says, I'm writing this so that your joy may be full. So that your joy may be complete. I'm, I'm going to instruct you how to have the life that's full of joy as God intended it. And the full, full abundant life that, that God planned to give you. Um, and we've covered lots of different topics the last few weeks. Uh, and last week we talked about uh, a new spin on an old command where John said, um, I'm going to give you a command, and it's, it's incredibly old, right? It's a command you know, but I want you to hear it like you're hearing it for the first time. What was the command? Love your neighbors. Yeah. Got to love people. Got to love our neighbors. Got to love our, our family members. Got to love our friends. Uh, Got to love our coworkers and classmates. Got to love our enemies, right? And, and, and just looking at, looking at God's word and, and God's command to love people and really letting that revolutionize our lives. And had you guys break up into groups and kind of talk about people that you needed to uh, be intentionally loving this week. And so, so if your people in your group are here tonight, remember you need to hold them accountable and ask how that went this week, uh, whatever your plan was to love somebody this week. Um, that's what we talked about last week. Um, we also talked about how the structure of 1 John, as you're studying 1 John, the structure of 1 John is really different um, from, it, from the other New Testament letters. It reads much more poetically, almost like a song. You know, so instead of an essay, or a theological dissertation where the concepts are building on each other, research paper style, like, like the book of Romans, something like that. Instead, John's ideas kind of flow in and out, right? He'll bring a concept in and let it fade to the background, um, almost like a song, right? Coming in on verses and coming in on choruses. Um, that's, how, that's how 1 John is, is structured. So we'll get ideas and then we'll see them kind of fade out and we'll see them come back a chapter or two later. Um, and, and so the verses we're going to start with tonight function almost like the bridge to that song, echoing some of the ideas that we've already covered and also bridging that transition to the next idea. So we'll take a look at it. It's going to be 1 John. We're going to pick it up in chapter 2, verse 12 tonight. 1 John, chapter 2, starting in verse 12. Uh, this is the bridge of the song, right? John says this, I'm writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. I'm writing to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I'm writing to you who are young in the faith because you've won your battle with the evil one. I've written to you who are God's children because you know the Father. I've written to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I've written to you who are young in the faith because you are strong. God's word lives in your hearts and you've won your battle with the evil one. But like a chorus, you know, these verses are going to echo uh, some of the ideas uh, we've already looked at in the first few weeks. Ideas like the importance of knowing God. You know, it says, I'm, I'm writing to you because you know God. Um, I'm writing to you uh, because you know the Father. Um, talks about the importance of knowing God, having a relationship with God. Talks about the importance of knowing that your sins are forgiven. Right? And we, we looked the second week and understand, I mean, the, you know, what it means to have our sins forgiven. What it means to have that blank. You know, fresh start with God, that clean slate uh, for, for when God looks at us, he doesn't see our failures and mistakes and everything we've done wrong, but there's forgiveness in Christ. When we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins, cleanse us from unrighteousness, uh, we can be forgiven of everything we've done wrong. Um, so he echoes that idea again, again here, that, that knowing that our sins are forgiven. And also, uh, the word of God, and obedience to God's word. 
know, a few weeks ago we looked at the importance of obedience. That God's love language, in a lot of ways, is obedience. If we want to show God we love him, and the way we do that is by obeying his word. Uh, so all these ideas are coming back here in, in the bridge, right? We're echoing these ideas. And he's also making a transition that's going to bridge us to the next concept uh, that's going to see us through uh, the rest of chapter 2. And it's the concept of overcoming evil or overcoming the evil one. Um, and this is going to be the main focus, again, of the rest of chapter 2. Man, what does it look like to overcome evil in your life? What does it look like to be victorious in your life and overcome the evil one? It's hard to have a life of complete and full joy uh, if the enemy's beating you up and eating your lunch, right? right? So what does it look like to really overcome the enemy, overcome the evil one, to live victoriously in this life, to be that victorious ambassador, right, for Jesus? What does that look like? Um, so last week, again, we looked at that command God gave us to love everyone around us, even our enemies, even strangers, even people we don't like, even people that are difficult to love. We want to love everyone. Um, but that command to love everyone seems really strange when it's followed immediately by the command we're looking at tonight. Um, 1 John chapter 2, uh, picking up in verse 15. This is going to be our main text tonight. 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 15. John says, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Well, hold up. John, you said you're supposed to love everybody. Right? Love everybody. Yes, you know, love, love the people of the world. You've got to be careful you don't get it mixed up and, and start loving the world itself. He says, don't love the world. Don't love the things that it offers you. Because if you find yourself falling in love with the world, he says, the love of the Father is not in you. Verse 16, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. So we should love the people of the world, absolutely. We should love the people of the world just as God loves the people of the world. You know, John 3.16 tells us that God so loved the world, the people of the world, that he did what? He gave his only begotten son. Right? He sent his son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We should love the people of the world like God does, but in this process, be careful not to fall in love with the world itself. Specifically, not to fall in love with the culture and, and the sinful indulgences of that culture. And again, he, he describes uh, what those are. I mean, the kind of things that our culture celebrates are not the same things that God celebrates. They're not the same things that Scripture celebrates. He says the world offers a craving for physical pleasure, uh, a craving for everything we see, and a pride in our achievement and possession. We'll talk about that for a second. Um, again, as followers of Christ, we don't celebrate the same way the world celebrates. We don't celebrate the same things the world celebrates. We don't value the same things that the culture does. Uh, we have different priorities, right? Different values, uh, different things that we celebrate and encourage uh, than the world does. It says man, the, the, the world has a craving for physical pleasure. Uh, when you guys look at the culture, when you think about the culture here in the United States, and here, here, here in 2018, uh, here, here in Memphis, would you say that John, writing 2,000 years ago, has accurately described your culture? Is there a craving for pleasure? A craving for physical pleasure? Is there a pursuit of physical pleasure? Is that something still going on in the culture? 2,000 years ago, we've not outgrown that? No, we've not. Spending is worse, right? Um, everything about this culture is about your pleasure, your satisfaction, 
And what can you do that's going to please you as soon as possible and as much as possible? That's what the culture chases after. Right? Not, not purity, not holiness, not what's going to please God. But man, what's the most pleasure I can have as quickly as possible, right? As cheaply as possible. How can I maximize pleasure and enjoyment, right? And, and, and if you're looking for it, man, the culture says, man, we got it all, right? We got, we got every kind of physical pleasure you can imagine, right? Um, and, and, and so, so and that, that, that's what we're up against, right? As ambassadors in a culture, that we want to love the people in the culture, but we don't want to conform, be absorbed by that culture. We've got to be aware that we're in a culture um, that's got different values in us. You know, as, as citizens of the kingdom of God, I mean, our, our value should be to please God, ultimately. We want to please God. We want to honor God. We're going to do things that are going to help us draw closer to God. Um, and, and things that help us draw closer to God are, are, are experiencing obedience to his word, you know, holiness, purity, not chasing after everything that's physically pleasurable, right? Not everything, of course, that's physically pleasurable is bad, obviously, right? Like eating a big old Chick-fil-A sandwich, right? That's physically pleasurable. Um, and then going for a nice walk in the beautiful fall weather, right? That's pleasurable. Um, a conversation with a good friend, right? Where you guys are laughing and cutting up, right? Uh, that's pleasurable. Man, there, there is pleasure. There's joy to be had in this life. Um, and that's definitely not what he's talking about. Here. He's talking about the, the, the sinful ways when people indulge and chase after pleasure, right? Um, you know, whether that's involving you know, substance abuse or sexual sin. Um, or other, other ways we try to gratify and the desires we have the wrong way. Um, and the desires you have for pleasure are God-given. God's the one that designed you. He created you uh, to, to want to experience and enjoy and happiness and pleasure. He says there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. And he spells out in his word, he says, man, if, if you're going to follow my word, I'm going to show you how to have the best life possible, right? I'm going to show you how to, have a, how to have a life that's going to be full of joy. Full of joy, you're going to be able to maximize uh, pleasure and joy and all the good things that I have for you, right? But if, but if you do it the wrong way, uh, I know it's just going to bring heartache. It's going to bring destruction, right? God's got real specific uh, rules for, for sexual pleasure specifically. And if you do it this way, and it can be so much joy. It can be so great. Um, but but if, you, if you get outside of those rules, it can bring so much destruction, right? And you guys have witnessed that. You guys are enough that you've seen that. You've seen um, how, how destructive man, sex can be. Uh, when it's outside of God's parameters. Um, a, lot, a, lot like, a lot like fire in your fireplace, right? Fire in your fireplace is great, right? And that's great, especially when you get cold, cold outside. You come up on that, and, and the fireplace is awesome, right? Oh, I get cozy. Get cozy by the fire. If that fire is anywhere in my house but the fireplace, we got a problem, right? It's destructive. It's damaging. And the fireplace, awesome. Anywhere else, big problem, big problem. Um, and it's the same way. There's things that God has, has designed uh, that are extremely good within the boundaries he's created created for them. They're extremely good. Outside of those boundaries, they're destructive. And what John's saying here, the, the culture, they're not paying any attention to the boundaries. They're just saying, go for it, go for it, get it, get it. Uh, and, and celebrating those that are going for it and getting it, but not advertising and the destruction in their life, the hurt in their life, all the problems it's causing, right? Um, it says a craving for physical pleasure. The next one's a craving for everything we see. And this speaks to, to greed. Is our culture greedy? Yes. Is our culture materialistic? Is our culture obsessed with wealth and fame and success and having the biggest house and the fanciest car and the biggest jet plane and the fattest 401k and a pool, a pool full of, full of 
gold dollar coins that you can swim in like Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> yeah, so our, our culture celebrates wealth. Wealth, and you've got to have the nicest one, the newest one, the best one, the fastest one. You've got to have the one that's better than your neighbor, better than your brother, better than your sister. Just get more, more, more. Get all you can get. Get all you can get. Uh, that's what our culture celebrates in, in our movies, in our TV, in our music, uh, in the way we, we, we advertise things. It's man, get, get as much as you can. Get the nicest, the most expensive. A craving for what you see, a craving for stuff. It's just stuff, and it's stuff that's not going to last. And in, in, in the old truism, you can't take it with you, right? It's stuff that, that you, don't, you don't bring to heaven with you. Um, when you die, someone else is going to get it, right? Your kids will get it, and they'll be like, this is a bunch of junk. I'm throwing it out, right? Um, we, we kill ourselves chasing after stuff. Our culture is so materialistic. We kill ourselves to get more and more stuff, more and more and more stuff, uh, stuff that we don't even like, but it makes us look good to the person next to us. Um, kill ourselves at. That's the culture, man. Culture has different values than the kingdom of God. The culture is killing themselves for more and more stuff, for the things they see with their eyes and say, man, i got to have it. Uh, God says, man, have a different priority. Say, see how much of me you can get in your life, right? How much of God you can get in your life. How much you can enjoy the Lord. And God will take care of you. He's going to make sure you have what you need. He's going to make sure that, that, that you have uh, what you need to get through the day. He's going to make sure you and your family are taken care of. Because when you get obsessed with stuff, when you get obsessed with that materialism, it's going to wreck your life. It's going to ruin your life. If you make your life all about chasing those things, you're never going to find joy in it. You're never going to find peace and real satisfaction in that. God says you're only going to find real satisfaction in me. Uh, the, 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 the shopping and buying, the retail therapy, right, is only trying to put a patch on a hole that ultimately only God can fill. But John says this is the culture in that just lusts and craves after everything it can see. More and more and more stuff. Um, and, and the last one says a pride in our achievements and uh, achievements and possessions. Um, is this a boastful culture that we live in? Uh, is this a proud culture, a brag bragging culture? Right? Brag about all the stuff I've done and all the stuff that I got. Let me tell you about it. Right? I'm going to boast. I'm going to brag. Look at me. I'm so big. I'm going to try to be as famous as I can get, as well known as I can get, as many followers as I can get. Right? Make sure everybody knows me. But that's not the same value as the kingdom, right? In the kingdom, it's like, I don't care if I'm famous because I'm God's child, right? God knows me. God knows my name. It doesn't matter if none of the rest of you are mine, right? Right? In God's kingdom, it's like, I want to make sure you know about Jesus, right? That's the most important thing. It's not, it's not important that you know me. Uh, you know, you can, you can forget my name when you walk out the door. It's not going to hurt my feelings. As long as you know Jesus, right? If I, if I make sure you know Jesus, then, then, then I've connected you to the source of, of, of life and forgiveness and grace and joy and peace, you know, the, the, where you can have a full life. Uh, if I've just made sure you know a lot of facts about me, I've wasted your time, right? Um, it's not going to do you any good on the day of judgment to say, I know Matt Drain. I, I know lots of stuff about him, too. God's going to be like, who? Right? What? Um, no, no, the, 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 we have a different value in the kingdom of God. We live to make Jesus famous, right? We live to glorify God's name, to make his name great. Um, not, to, not to be prideful, not to boast in our achievements or boast of what we've accomplished or the stuff that we have. You guys see, man, the, the values of the culture are at odds with the values of the kingdom. Um, so when, when John's saying, I want you guys to, you have to live in this world. You don't have another choice, right? I, Elon Musk is trying to get some people to Mars, but like, ultimately, you don't, you don't have a choice. You've got to live on Earth. You've got to live in this culture. There, there's, not, there's not another world for you to live on. But, but live here as an ambassador. 
Man, don't, don't blend in. Don't adopt the customs of these cultures because they're, they're so, so different than God's culture. Right? The values of this culture are so, so different uh, than what God has for you. And what God has for you is better. Right? God has better for you than you just chasing after pleasure anywhere you can get it, no matter the cost. And there's always a cost. God has better for you than just chasing after stuff you don't even like so you can have more and more of it than the next guy. Right? God has better places for you to find joy and satisfaction than that. God has better for you than just obsessing about your popularity and your fame and do the right people know me and have I made the right connections and the right networking. God has better for you than that, right? God has better for you than that. So as followers of Christ, we don't celebrate the things the culture does. We don't value the things the culture does. Um, and our love for God should be transforming our desires. As we draw closer to Jesus, our desires should change. We used to desire those things, right? Because we're, we're, we're in the world. We used to desire those things, but we find our desires changing and say, man, I, just want, I want more of God. I want more of Jesus in my life. Uh, I want a life that pleases him more than I want a life where I can just blend in with everybody else. Um, God transforms our desires, transforms our values, transforms our priorities. The things that used to matter to us, we find they don't matter to us as much anymore. Um, that, that we come to a place of deeper spiritual maturity and uh, the things that please God, that's what really matters. End of the day, man, I want my life to please God. End of the long day, right, when I'm standing before God in heaven, I want him to say, well done. Matt, you really wasted your life on a lot of stupid stuff. You really wasted your life chasing a bunch of stuff that does not matter. Right? I don't want to do that. I want to have it well done. I'm pleased with you. You did a good job. Uh, I have different priorities. Right? The ambassador has different priorities than just a person living there in the culture. Um, you know, the ambassador is representing the interests of a foreign kingdom. Right? A, a, a foreign king. Right? The, the, the ambassador for Christ um, we're representing Jesus in the culture. So people, a lot of people don't know Jesus. They're not loving Jesus. They don't serve Jesus. But we get to represent Jesus to them, knowing that at the end of the day, this world's not our home, right? The moment you put your trust in Jesus to be your Savior, your trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross to forgive you of your sins and make you right with God, you're adopted in the family of God, your citizenship changes, right? Um, that no longer are you simply a citizen of this world. I mean, you're a citizen forever of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. When this life on earth is over, man, you'll spend eternity in heaven in God's presence. Um, in fact, the time that man, we're going to spend on this earth compared to that is, is almost nothing. Right? So you may still be a United States citizen, but ultimately, you're a heaven citizen, right? Or you might be a citizen of another country too, right? Uh, but, but when you put your trust in Jesus, man, you become a citizen of heaven. Um, and that's your ultimate citizenship. That's your ultimate home. This world's not our home. Right? That's where we're going to live for 80, 90, 100 years. Some of you guys look real healthy. It'll be like 110, 120 years. But then eternity in heaven, right? Like the, the time we spend on this world is short. It's brief. And as we live here, we live here as Christ's ambassadors, right? I'm just here for a season. This isn't my forever home, right? Memphis, Tennessee, I love it, but it's not my forever home. My forever home's in God's presence. But in this short time, however many years God has me here, I'm going to live as an ambassador, right? I got to learn the language. I got to learn the culture a little bit so I can communicate, understand people. Um, but I'm not going to be so submersed in the culture that those values rub off on me. They twist my life and damage by it. Does that make sense? So we want to live as a, an ambassador representing uh, God's interests to the people around us, representing Jesus to the people around us. Um, we're going to fly through a couple, uh, couple quick verses to look at to talk about this. Um, one is in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. Uh, Jesus, again, is talking about you guys, talking about us, those that are following Jesus. He says in Matthew 5, 13, you are the salt of the earth. 
You, Hope, the salt of the earth. Caleb is the salt of the earth. Jade's the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. But he says, if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? That's not like a chemistry question, right? Um, <laughs> but it's real basic. Like, if salt stops being salty, like, how do you make it back into salt again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out, trampled underfoot. He says, you guys are salt. You guys are salt. Um, you guys are made to stand out. You're made to be different. Uh, and, and again, a whole other lesson for another time about all the uses for salt in the ancient world. Um, but this is a compliment, right? God's saying that you're salt. Uh, and salt is what brings the good flavoring, right? We're, we're, we're set in our modern culture. In an ancient context, salt was a, a preserving agent, right? Before freezers, before refrigerators, you want to keep a piece of meat from rotting, you pack it in salt, right? So, so, so to, to keep a thing from, keep away death and decay, right? You pack in salt. Uh, Jesus says you're salt, right? Salt, salt had um, a medical properties as far as getting rid of, uh, of infections and wounds, right? It, it burns, it stings a little bit, but, but, but it kills infection, right? Um, you said you're, you're salt, but, but if you lose your saltiness, you're not, not really worth much, right? What are some foods that are good with salt? Everything. French fries. Eggs. I, I put salt in my eggs. I have to have salt in my eggs. French fries. French fries have to have salt. And if you don't put salt on French fries, it's just like potato, right? Um, what do you got, Jabron? You don't put salt on potatoes? Everybody's different. Everybody's different. Do you put salt on anything? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that sodium and Gatorade uh, helps carries the electrolytes. Helps replenish you when you're feeling run down. Absolutely. Salt's got lots of uses. Uh, yeah, for, so I'm, I'm picturing, we're going to go with french fries. I, maybe not everybody likes the salty fries. Some people like it just tastes like the plainest old warm potato. Um, but I'm picturing those french fries, right? And, and if the salt stops being salty, right? And it just kind of takes on the flavors of the potato. At that point, it's just like potato flavor seasoning. Um, what's the point? Right? What's the point of that salt if it's not going to make the thing taste better, right? If I put salt in my eggs and it stops being salt and just kind of is like egg extract flavoring. So it already tastes like egg. I don't need more eggs, right? I need the salt, right, to make it better. Um, Jesus says if you just blend into the culture, if your life looks just like everybody else's life, what's the point, right? If you get so absorbed in the culture, you've got the same values, same priorities, you're chasing after the same junk that culture's chasing after, what's the point? Like, you're not useful for the kingdom anymore. The point is that you stand out. The point is that you're different. The point is that people look at your life and they're like, whoa, what is going on with you, right? You're so different. Talk to me about that. Where would you get this peace from? Where'd you get this joy from? How is it you're kind to people? I've seen people be rude to you and you're, you're just kind and loving to them. How do you do that? I know you, you're going through the same stress that I am. We're in this class. We got this big paper, got this big project, but you have peace. How is that, right? If your life looks different, you're useful, right? Jesus can use you. If you look the same as everybody else, Jesus says, I don't have any use for that, right? So we're in the culture, we're in the world, but we're not of it. And we don't want to blend in, we don't want to become it. We don't want to adopt those values. Uh, we don't want to uh, and so blend into the culture that we look just like it. Uh, we're not useful to Jesus at that point, right? Jesus says, I called you to be different. Don't be the same. Don't be like this, everyone else. I called you to be different. Next verse, James chapter 1, uh, verse 27. James 1, 27. 
James writes that pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, the Father, means caring for the orphans and widows, you know, the least fortunate in their distress, and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Your translation might say refusing to let yourself be polluted by the world. Um, James is very aware that, that this culture can corrupt you if you let it, right? Uh, it can pollute you if you let it. Um, so don't let it, right? You want to live in a way that pleases God? He says this is the kind of religion that is pleasing to God, um, that's pure and genuine in the sight of God. And you need to care for the poor, care for the, the less fortunate, uh, love on them, um, demonstrate your love towards them, uh, be aware of the needs of the people around you, and also be careful not to let this world corrupt you, because it will, right? That if you spend enough time in this world and you're not careful to guard against it, uh, then you're going to start adopting those values. You're going to start chasing after the things they chase after. You're going to start killing yourself for the things they kill themselves for, fame and money and pleasure and all those kind of things. He says you've got to be on guard. Refuse to let yourself be corrupted by this world. Refuse to let yourself be polluted by this world. Say, I'm not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. You guys familiar with the story of Pinocchio? Um, I, don't, I think I just know the Disney version, so we'll go with that. Um, the cartoon. <laughs> Uh, the cartoon version, uh, Pinocchio, um, he goes to that island that's like a big carnival, basically. Uh, and the longer you spend there, like, it corrupts you, right? All you care about is playing these games, and all you care about is chasing pleasure. Uh, and you get, like, addicted to it, and you stay there. You guys familiar with that? You guys seen Pinocchio? If you're not, then don't, just don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> but it's like the more time you spend in this world, like, you do, you get caught up in the stuff the world's chasing after. Right? You get caught up and I'm chasing after this because the world's going this way. I'll chase after that. Um, you've got to be on guard. Like, like you've got to actively refuse to let that corrupt you. Refuse to let yourself... I think they turned into donkeys or something. It's been a minute since I've seen it. Um, yeah, they turned into donkeys. Like, you've got to let yourself not turn into a donkey, right? You've got to be that puppet boy. But anyway. <laughs> this analogy's falling apart in my hands. Uh, last, last verse we'll look at is going to be Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Paul writes, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good, and pleasing, and perfect. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Right? You've got to live in it. You've got no choice for that. One day Jesus is coming back. We can be with him forever. Praise the Lord. In the meantime, you have no choice but to live in this world. But as you're living here, don't copy, don't adopt their behavior and their customs. Um, remember that, that, that uh, ambassador analogy again. The ambassador, we're going to send an ambassador, he's going to go live um, in Latveria. You know, he's going to live in Wakanda, whatever country we send him to. He's not going to adopt the local religion, right? He's not going to worship man, whatever god, goddesses, like, just because he's living there. That's not part of being an ambassador. You don't have to worship like they do, right? So we're going to live in this world, but we're not going to worship the things this world worships. We're not going to worship greed and lust and pride and these kind of things. Um, we're, we're going to live there. We're going to learn the language. We're not going to be isolated. We're not going to be like a hermit uh, off, in, off in a cabin somewhere and never talk to anybody. That's not useful. You said, I got no use for that. You need to like talk to people and have relationships so you can share Jesus. Um, got to learn the language, learn the culture enough to relate. But we're not going to adopt those customs. Paul says, don't, don't copy their behavior, don't copy their customs, but, but the opposite. Let God transform you into a new person. Let God make you the man, the woman of God uh, that he wants you to be. Right? God, God's got a plan for your life. He designed you to be a certain person. 
None of us are living up to that, right? But let God shape and mold you so you can, you can rise to that standard. You can be the man he's made you to be. You can be the woman he's made you to be. We're in the world, but we don't adopt all the behaviors and customs of the world. Rather, we live as ambassadors, representing Jesus to those around us, telling them the good news of what God has done for them in Christ. Um, and what is that good news, right? What is the good news we have to share with people? Uh, that God loves them. Right, that, that, that they're, not, they're not alone, they're not hopeless, that there's the God that created them, loves them, loves them enough that he wasn't content to be separated from them forever, right? That he made a way by sending his son Jesus that everything that they'd ever done wrong could be forgiven. And when Jesus hung on the cross, uh, he took the punishment for their sins um, so that they could be extended grace and mercy and forgiveness from God, that when they put their trust in Jesus, you know, his death on the cross, his resurrection, they put their trust in him as their Savior and their Lord. They can receive forgiveness of sins and be adopted in the family of God, receive that gift of eternal life. That's what God's done for you, right? And sharing that good news of the gospel, here's what God's done for you because of his great love. Uh, he's made it possible for you to have a relationship with him, for you to have full lives, full of joy. You don't have to chase the garbage this world chases after and, and all the emptiness and the heartache that comes from that. You can experience the fullness that God has for you. We need to share that with the people around us. I want you guys to think about, uh, in the next couple of days, what are some specific things you can do to keep yourself from conforming to the sinful aspects of the culture around you? Um, James, like, like we looked at in James, if you're just idle about it, it's going to happen, right? That stuff's going to rub off on you. You're going to absorb it. Um, but you've got to actively be on guard. So think about, man, what can I do to help, help myself be on guard against the ways the world might try to corrupt or pollute me, or I might try to adopt those values? Um, let Holy Spirit search your heart. It, are there things that, that I value that really those are worldly values? Those are this culture's values, but they're not really God's values. And I need God to, to transform me into that new person by changing the way that I think. And I don't value the things the world values, right? I don't need the biggest car or the fastest boat plane. I don't need the, you know, the shiniest watch. I don't need to be the, the famousest Instagrammer. Uh, I don't need those things, right? Um, now, I need God's approval, and that's it, right? And I trust that God's going to take care of me. Um, I want to pray for you guys. Um, you got to really help, uh, really help the, the, this, this concept to stick in our hearts um, so we can understand that God's got better for you than what this culture has to offer, right? Um, a, lot, a lot of times what this culture is offering us, it's a, a false uh, bill of goods, right? It says, I promise you all this. Um, they, they don't say the cost. They don't say how much it's going to hurt. Right? They don't say what it's going to cost in terms of relationships. What's going to cost you financially. All the, the, the heartache, the years of your life. That you're going to be like, I, mean, I just wasted like a whole decade chasing this thing. Right? God says, I've got better for you. Right? That, that if you live according to my values, if you live as an ambassador in the world, but you know you're not of the world, that your ultimate loyalty is to me, um, and, and you're living in a way that pleases me, and then you're going to know joy. Then you're going to know full joy. I pray for you guys. God, uh, again, thank you for your word. And I feel like man, you've got specific things that you want to lay on each person's heart here tonight. So again, with every head bowed, just let the Holy Spirit search your heart. And God, we just invite you, if there's anything in our lives that's not pleasing to you, anything in our lives where we've adopted the, the, the ways of this culture, God, the values of this culture, we're chasing after things because, man, that's what the culture does, but that's not really what you want for us. Holy Spirit, in the way that you do, would you just lay your finger on that thing? Would you point that thing out? in your love, and your gentleness. 
God, help us just lay that thing down at your feet and say, God, change my heart. God, change the way that I think. I don't want to waste my life chasing after a bunch of things. I want to live a life that matters, God. I want to live a life that matters for your kingdom, God, that counts for your glory, God. I want to be, I want to be that salt in the earth that's useful to you. I want to be that ambassador in this world that's making you proud. God, I want opportunities to share my faith with friends and classmates and coworkers, God, to lead people to Christ, to share the hope that I've found in you. I don't want to be so caught up chasing the things this world chases that I miss out on that. Holy Spirit, search our hearts, God. I just want to be laid bare before you, God. If our heart is a house, God, we want to throw open the door to every room, every closet, every cupboard. We want to hold everything back. Holy Spirit, search it. Show us if there's anything in us that's not pleasing to you, God. We need sin. We need to repent of. And say, God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Knowing that he does, that he cleanses us and makes us clean. If there's any values in our, in our heart, in our life, uh, that are not pleasing to God, I would just allow you to tear those things down. Jesus, would you take your rightful place as king of our heart, king of our lives, God? Would you be the ultimate authority in our life that we live in a way that pleases you, honors you, glorifies you, God. And God, would you show us how to protect ourselves uh, uh, against the, the, the wicked things of this culture, God? There's a lot of cool stuff about the culture, a lot of good stuff about the culture, God. Um, but, but speaking specifically about the, the, the evil of the culture and, and the sin of the culture, God, those are the things we want to be guarded against, not letting those rub off on us, God. And help us to keep our hearts in a way that's pleasing to you, God, and honor you, God. Use us as ambassadors in this world. Again, with every head bowed, every eye closed, um, just for, for privacy between you and God. If there's anyone here tonight that says, Matt, um, I've never put my trust in Jesus before. I asked Jesus to be my Savior. I asked God to forgive my sins, but I want to do that tonight. Um, if that's anyone here tonight, would you raise your hand so I can pray for you? Anybody at all? Man, I don't want to put my trust in Jesus. That's you. Just, just pray. Pray along in your hearts. And, uh, God, God, I need you. Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. That you died on the cross for my sins. Right now, I ask that you would forgive me and cleanse me. And reconcile me to God. Give me that relationship with God. I receive your free gift of eternal life. Okay, you should fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to live for you to stay full. God, I pray that you would strengthen and encourage all of these students, God. That strengthen them so they can live in such a way, God, that they would be victorious, they would be overcomers, and they'd overcome the world, God. And the world wouldn't overcome them. Bless and encourage these students, God. In Jesus' name, amen.